Well, very warm greetings to you, my dear friends. This is Pastor Brad Abley with the Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry, a ministry that is designed to take you deeper into the Word of God. And what joy it brings me before the Lord and before you to to be able to bring the Word of God to you. And what joy it brings me, certainly, that you're listening to this broadcast as well. Now, I want to begin immediately in this message by asking you a question. It's a serious, searching question that I have to ask you, and that is, where have all the Bereans gone? Where have all the Bereans gone? Now, perhaps some of you don't know what I mean by that. What is a Berean? Well, if you don't, please lean in to learn more because the Bible has to say something extremely important about this matter. And in fact, given that, let's pray. And then let me take you to the passage in God's Word that I'm referring to, and you'll find it in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verses 10 through 12. Would you join me in prayer now? Holy Spirit, you are the master teacher. And we ask now, Holy Spirit, please prepare our hearts and help us to prepare our hearts, to lean in. We ask that you would open our eyes, our ears, to see and hear your word. And that our response would bear would be that we would bear present and eternal fruit through our obedience and let it result in praise and honor and glory to the Father and to the Son. Let many be saved through this broadcast, many be equipped. In Jesus' name we ask, amen and amen. Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 10. Now this happened um, <clears throat> shortly after Paul and his apostolic team planted uh, the church in Thessalonica, and they, they were severely persecuted um, in planting this church. And that came after the church in Philippi was planted, where Paul and his apostolic team experienced major persecution there as well. Well, then uh, the church in Thessalonica, because of the danger to Paul and his team, sent Paul away to a fairly nearby town called Berea. And I have had the privilege of leading a Footsteps of Paul and Footsteps of John trip to that area of the world, Greece and Turkey, and having been in Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea and um, Athens as well, and, and even in Corinth. And so I, my mind is going back uh, to those days right now, but... That brings us to Acts chapter 17 and verse 10. The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. 
And when they arrived, these these men were so indomitable. They were so uh, fearless and so determined to bring the gospel to new places. So they were just, they had just gone through severe persecution on, in two rounds. And here they go right back to preaching. And when they arrived, verse 10, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. That was Paul's normal method when he preached the gospel to go to the synagogue, preach the gospel to the Jews, to the, the gospel goes to the Jews first, then, then to the Gentiles. And of course, he knew that in every synagogue, there were God-fearers. That is, Gentiles who were not part of the covenant of Israel, but who recognized the emptiness of worshiping many different gods in their pagan societies. And there was something about the one true God of Israel that attracted them. And so they would attend synagogue services as well. And of course, they would get saved. Jews would get saved. And that is how uh, the churches were birthed frequently under Paul's ministry. So Paul and Silas went into the synagogue of the Jews. Verse 11, now these, that is the Jews that were in these synagogues and perhaps the Gentiles as well. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Now when Paul uh, when Luke, who is writing the book of Acts, says that these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, he's not referring to the Christians that responded to the preaching of the gospel because they too received the word eagerly and they received it for what it was, Paul said, not the word of men, but the word of God. And their lives changed dramatically. It was the Jews that persecuted their fellow Jews who turned in faith to Jesus. And mostly what I mean by this is Jewish religious leaders. And it was the Jews who persecuted Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke who were with them. And it was they that rejected the gospel from the synagogue in Thessalonica. So there's a distinction here. And there was something about the Jews who were part of the synagogue in Berea that when the Apostle Paul and Silas brought the word of God and no doubt explained how the Old Testament prophesied of the coming of the Messiah and how Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament, and he is the Messiah, and salvation comes through him by faith in him alone for eternal life. They responded. Let me read it again. Verse 11, now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. Why? For they received the word, that is, the gospel, the truth of their salvation through Jesus 
with great eagerness. How many Christians, beloved, do you know today that receive the word of God with great eagerness? And not only that, examining the scriptures daily. That's where that whole term Berean comes from. It's somebody who takes the word of God reverently, eagerly, seriously, and, and studies it on a daily basis. And if not on a daily basis, then certainly more than once a week. Examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. And listen, they got it from the best. They got it from the Apostle Paul and from Silas. There's some uh, compelling evidence that Silas may have been the writer of the letter to the Hebrews. It could have been the Apostle Paul. There's evidence for that as well. Now, what does the word examining mean? Uh, the Greek word is anachronontes. It's an important word. It means to sift up and down, to make careful and exact research and without bias. In other words, their hearts were open before God. They wanted to understand his word. They recognized the importance of what Paul was saying. They recognized the validity of prophecy and fulfillment and they opened up the word of God and immersed themselves in it. And that is where this whole idea of Bereans comes from, in case you didn't know. But I want to ask the question, according to the title of the message, where have all the Bereans gone? I don't know if I mentioned that as the title. But I got to ask the question, where have all the Bereans gone? I don't see many people who fit that category in today's world. There seems to be a famine for the hearing of the word of God. There's a, a complacency in the church world today. I heard the, the story of two friends that were talking and one friend said to the other, what do you think are the two greatest problems in the world today? Well, his friend thought for a moment. And he said, you know what? I don't know and I don't care. And his friend who asked the question said, and those are the two main problems today. I don't know and I don't care. Ignorance and apathy. And I have to wonder how much ignorance and apathy is in the, in the church world today because Christians, in my, in my 40 years of being a believer, I have seen a downward spiral of Christians who are have a voracious appetite for the Word of God. And so... Now you can understand why I say, would that all God's people be Bereans to please him, to bring him glory and honor, to be equipped, to strengthen the church. 
Perhaps it's somewhat prophetic, but I used to teach a class at Bethel Church in San Jose that was called, the name of the class was called the Bereans. It was an education class, an adult education class that met on Sunday mornings in what used to be called Sunday school, but which is largely vacant in today's world. It met for many years, even a few decades or so. By the time I began to teach this class for a few years, it consisted only of older people. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But when I say the word prophetic, I mean that perhaps it's an older generation of Christians who understood the importance of being a Berean. But that in younger generations of believers, that may rarely be the case. Listen, friends, I hope I'm wrong, but I fear that I'm right on this from my own observation and even from statistics that show a tremendous drop-off in the study of Scripture among those who call themselves followers of Jesus. Now, there's a ma another matter that I want to hit. I'm going to hit it hard. I want to point out there is a growing error, and it's substantial, among Christians who are in the charismatic, Pentecostal, or similar movements, movements that are greatly influenced by Bethel uh, Church Reading, where Scripture does not hold the place of great reverence as it should. And this is across the board. It's not taught with accuracy. The people are not taught how to study and interpret Scripture. Instead, they are subtly led to depend upon the preacher's interpretation. The, the um, you know, we're a culture of celebrity. So the preacher becomes the celebrity in the church. And his teaching dominates almost like in the Roman Catholic Church, in the Dark Ages, where if you questioned the priest or the bishop or the cardinal or the pope, you would be excommunicated, which meant you were going to hell. And in fact, today I've heard this so many times it makes me sick. If someone rightly questions the preacher's interpretation, they are scolded, they are rejected, or they're shunned. And sometimes they're accused of having, quote-unquote, a religious spirit, when in fact the one bringing the accusation is the one that has the religious spirit. It's a pharisaical spirit, just like the Pharisees in the New Testament that Jesus rebuked because of their own arrogance and hardness of heart, an attitude that they are above correction. And then that discourages the people of God who then think there must be something wrong with me. They might even throw out, don't you touch God's anointed. Now let me bring in some other current applications here. Now hear me out, please, because I'm going to say some things that are very strong and I don't want you to take them the wrong way because I don't mean it to be taken in the wrong way. But I just want to diagnose and analyze 
what goes on in our world today. And it seems to me often that what I call the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok generation of Christians is more seems more interested in what other people are doing or saying or posting than what in what God is doing. And so they rarely read his word. Again, statistical surveys bear this out. George Barna uh, has surveys on this. Lifeway Publishing has surveys on this as well. Now, listen, again, let me be careful and hasten to add, I'm not saying a Christian should not be on social media. I'm on social media, though I use it the majority of time for ministry purposes. And I would hold that if a Christian is going to use social media, I do believe that at some level, a form of ministry ought to be practiced by us and not just post pictures of what we're eating. My tongue is in my cheek there, for those of you who understand tongue-in-cheek, the phrase. I only use social media as merely one example among many that Christians allow themselves to be involved in the things of this world that ultimately have no eternal value. But again, beloved, please hear me clearly. Am I saying that a Christian shouldn't attend a sports event or go shopping or fishing or vacation or whatever it is that people do out there? No, I am not saying that at all. I do all those things except fishing. But I am urging believers in Jesus to have a lifestyle of putting God and his word first and foremost, of hungering and thirsting after him. You know, it's the Holy Spirit that we must follow and seek as we consider how to wisely invest our time, our lives. And I would argue that if we don't live this way, then we are not under the Lordship of Jesus. He has to be Lord of all over every area of our life, our spending, our time, our treasure, our talent, all of it. Paul the Apostle said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, Listen to this carefully. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 14 and 15, he says, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live, watch this, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Back to the time issue. Let me explain this. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 5 and verse 15, and I would encourage you to memorize this verse, as I would encourage you to memorize 2 Corinthians 5 verses 14 through 15 and pray it. Paul says, therefore, be careful how you walk, 
And be careful is a present tense command. This is no suggestion. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Now, let's stop right there and pray, because yesterday I did some things that were unwise and a, a bad waste of time. And I've already repented of it, but I just feel like this, this would be a good moment to stop because I'm sure the Holy Spirit is convicting many of this. And the best thing that we can do is to jump on things and humble ourselves instantly when we, when we see a verse like this or something that speaks to us. So let me just lead you in prayer. And would you agree with me? Father, we humble ourselves before you now. We ask you to forgive us of wasting our time, of engaging in things that have no present and eternal value, of not living under your lordship, Lord Jesus, in every area of our lives, and even failing to recognize this, that we are most happy when we're in the center of your will and walking with you and practicing your presence and putting you first. And if we insist on our own way with our time, etc., then you leave us to ourselves, and that's never a good thing. So, Father, forgive us for our sin, for our disobedience, and incline our heart to your testimonies and not to any evil thing. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Where have all the, the Bereans gone? Now, how is it that a follower of Jesus can be so lukewarm about his or her faith and perhaps not even know what the Lord Jesus says about that condition in, Ro in Revelation 3, 5, 15 through 16? Be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. How is it even possible that a believer in Jesus could be so nonchalant about his or her faith, about the word of God, about eternal matters? My friends, the Bible itself tells us in so many places not to love the world. God told, spoke through James and said, Whoever makes himself a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. There's a cavalier attitude about the warnings against a love of the world. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, John says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life are not from the Father, but from the world, and the world is, is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. That's 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Those who are not Bereans are those that don't guard their hearts against these kind of conditions. 
against the pressing influence of the flesh, the world, and the devil. They are caught up with too many things, the, the, the cares and the worries of this world and the desire for other things enter in and they choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. These kinds of believers don't heed Hebrews 2.1 and they're not careful and they, they drift away from the Lord and from his word. It's a dangerous thing to drift. Where are you at today, beloved? Are you a Brian? How does one become a Brian? First, through honest, unrelenting prayer that God make him or her a Berean. If you prayed that prayer, let me ask you, is that a prayer God wants to answer? Yes, it is. Second, through a life of sacrifice and self-denial. That means that we must be willing to surrender our time and our desires to get alone with God and devote ourselves to time with him in his word. Many have been the times, in addition to my normal quiet time, when the Lord challenged me to forego watching a football game, for example, and said, I want you to come away with me and spend time with me. And I've seen how he's used my obedience to draw me closer to him in and through his word. Now, the football example is just one among many other examples that I could cite. But I give this example as a practical application. It's desire, it's tenacity, it's hunger, it's thirst. It is putting yourself in a position of a spiritual beggar who is desperate for God, desperate for his word, desperate to grow, desperate to bear fruit, desperate to live for the glory of God and not for ourselves, to, to make all the difference we can for his church and for the unsaved. That's what this is about, my friends. It's living with eternity in view. Become a Berean. Hunger and thirst for God. Seek him and search for him with all of your heart and watch what he will do. And yes, you're going to go through dry spells. And yes, you are going to be, you'll experience sometimes you don't quote unquote feel like reading the word of God. And many other things, the devil will contend with you for every inch of ground that you desire to take spiritually. Just plan on these things. But I would also encourage you, if you don't already, make the book of Psalms your book of encouragement, your devotional book. Before you read man's devotional books, and listen, I've written three devotional books and I'd rather have you read the Psalms first before you get my book or read someone else's book. And there are good devotionals out there, but, but they're written by men. Why not go to the writers of the Psalms that were inspired by the Holy Spirit? Read just one Psalm a day. Pray it. Chew on it. Meditate on it. Talk to God about it. It's the book of encouragement. I doubt there's one listener that doesn't need more of the presence of God, more of the word of God, more reverence for God, more love for God, 
and more of his encouragement. And my friend, you will get it in great measure to the extent that you hunger and thirst for him. I know what I'm talking about. I've lived this way since 1981. Father, as I close now, would you stir your people to hunger and thirst for you and seek you and search for you with all of their hearts and be desperate for you and say no to the things of this world and yes to you every single day of their lives in the holy name of Jesus. And we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.